Welcome to Let's Connect. My name is Keith McPherson, and I'm really glad you've decided to join me here for this week's podcast. Every week I sit down with a thought leader, an artist, sometimes a musician, somebody that's making change on the planet and really living their life purpose to the fullest. I bring them here to the podcast to introduce them to you and also give you some inspiration so that you can step up and live your best life on purpose as well. Today on the podcast, joining me in Toronto, Ontario, is Michelle Nuray. Michelle is a professional speaker, trainer, consultant. I also just recently did an event with him that he founded called Mo Mondays. And in addition to all that, Michelle also plays music in the Jacques Russell Trio. He's an incredible guy. So I invite you to sit back, relax, and let's connect. Well, I'm here in Winnipeg, Manitoba right now, and uh, it's that week between Christmas and New Year's. And I find this week, every year, always feels a little bit energetically different in that there just seems to be more space. Like everything tends to slow down a little bit. People are on vacation. Some places are actually closed during this week. And I just, I'm really, really appreciating this week, the the extra space. Um, I was thinking about it today earlier, just how awesome it would be to carve a little bit of this energy into the entire year. Like, what would it look like if we were to just actually push the pause button, even for a couple of hours each week, to just slow down and to collect our thoughts, maybe read a good book, maybe catch up on email, maybe just clean the house in general. Um, I just find it such a, a therapeutic thing to carve out space and time in our schedule when we're all living very, very busy lives that seem to be busier now with the invention of the digital stuff like social media. So um, wherever you are, I hope you're finding some space as well. And if you're listening to this fairly recently, I hope you're having a wonderful holiday as well. Um, I also wanted to thank you all for participating in the free course that I've launched called the ABCs of Mindfulness. Uh, If you're unaware, I just recently put out just a free offering during the holidays. I find a lot of times, although we call it holidays at this time of year, a lot of us have a hard time slowing down and relaxing. So I've put out this free offering, which just takes you through a couple of very basic mindfulness um, strategies that you can implement into your week, into your life. Uh, Just very basic things that help you slow down, go inward, and connect. So thank you for those of you that have signed up, and I invite you to go check it out at my website if you haven't already. Also, I wanted to let you know about the full course called Making Sense of Mindfulness. This is a over six hour of content course that I've put together. It's also available on my website and I highly recommend checking that out. It's um, quite extensive. It's something that you can do uh, over a period of time. You don't have to do it all at once, but it's basically taking you through the five principles of making sense of mindfulness and breaking that down and giving you some real concrete exercises and opportunities to reflect and check in with yourself, to ask questions that normally you might not when you're just going through the motions of your life. So it's quite a transformational course as well. So I invite you to go check that out. And uh, finally, just a huge thank you to those of you in Winnipeg that picked up my book over this season. Um, I found out that my book, Making Sense of Mindfulness, was a bestseller for two weeks in a row at McNally Robinson in Winnipeg, which is one of my favorite bookstores. So thank you to those of you that also went and picked up a copy for yourself, for your friends. I hope you're enjoying it. I just really want to encourage you to, to send emails and feedback 
uh, whenever you're inclined. It's always nice to hear what you're thinking about and uh, how things that I'm putting out there in the world are also moving you and inspiring you. So I'm here to support you in your journey. And uh, with that being said, uh, somebody that I want to introduce you to today, just an amazing guy you heard in the intro, Michelle Naray. I was in Toronto recently and sat down with him in his basement where I ended up staying for a week, actually. (laughs) He's the nicest guy ever, him and his wife. They they let me stay in their house and uh, we ended up having a great chat all about some of the great work that he is doing on the planet. So without further ado, let's meet Michelle Naray. All right, I'm in the basement in Toronto, Ontario, in one of the coolest basements, I have to say. I mean, this place has musical equipment. It's got its own makeshift stage. There's an office. It's amazing, and I've been sleeping down here all week. Yeah, last night you called it a man cave. I did. It, it does feel like <laughs> we're in a bit of a man cave. But Michelle, Michelle Nere is here with me, and uh, amazing guy I met this year. I, I'm so glad you're here on the podcast. Well, thank you, Keith. I'm thrilled to be here. You are an amazing guy. Thank you. It's nice yeah. for both of us to connect in this way. Great. So I, um, for people listening that aren't familiar, I mean, I know you through Mo Mondays, and uh, can you s- explain just a little bit about that first, just be- to get that down? Okay. Mo Mondays. Mo Mondays. Uh, it's a storytelling-based event, grassroots, but if if you could imagine a kind of a TED Talks blended in with stand-up comedy, blended in with live music, in a in a in a informal grassroots setting, you've got Mo Mondays. Wow. And Every it, month. It's amazing. I, I mean, we just had one here in Toronto last week and the people it brings together and the energy and like I was on a buzz all week after that <laughs> event. It's amazing. Yeah. 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 I was also on a buzz and that's what people tell me again and again. Yeah. The, it, the, they, we call it the Mo High. The Mo High. I love it. <laughs> so Mo, motivational. Is that what well, it stands for? Well, we don't like to say that because, you, you know, a lot of people have this... Uh, preconceived notion of what of what motivational is. Oh, motivational speech. Oh, I don't want that. You know, I'm good. Don't worry about it. They think it's going to be like a rah-rah, Tony Robbins-style thing. And, right. and, 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 and I get it. And that's not what we want. And it's also, we don't want to attract the kind of speakers who think they are the next best thing to motivational speaking. This is, you know, our tagline is real people, real stories, real inspiration. We're looking for, like, so, you know, I... I feel that sometimes the guru that you need to hear from is the person sitting next to you in the room. Oh, I love that. Right? So we all have life experiences. We've all learned from them. Now, yes, it does take a little bit of craft and skill to put it into a 10-minute story and leave the audience with something, you know, on a a positive energy. But a lot of us, a lot of us do that pretty well. We know, you know, it's just, it's, it, you know, it, it, and, and the stories are incredible. The yeah. stories are absolutely phenomenal. And one thing that we, we sort of insist, not that we always get it, but we, we ask, you know, one of the tests for if you're ready to share your story is if you can find the humor in it. Mm. If you can't find the humor in it, you're not beyond your story. You're not past your story. You're not ready to tell your story. But if you are... And you can build that into the story. It makes for such a great evening. Yeah, absolutely. And you did a great job of that, Keith. Well, well, that was you. hilarious, some of the things you were talking about. <laughs> like, you, you know, it, it doesn't matter how intense, how serious, how dark parts of the story uh, are. It's plural. Yes, plural. <laughs> uh, you know, there's there's always an opportunity for, for, for fun and lightness. And yeah, it's a good night. It really is. If you were to take me all the way back, like how did this all begin? Oh my. 
<laughs> February 27th, 2012. Wow. All yeah. the way down to the day. I yeah, yeah. Yeah. February 27th, 2012. I'm rushing out the door and uh, I had organized a bunch of my professional speaker friends to do kind of, well, no, you know what? I should start even earlier. Go back further. <laughs> I want to hear the origins of this. Yeah. Oh, so I'm in a, I'm a, you know, I, my wife and I used to go to stand-up comedy. I've done my bit on little on the stand-up comedy stage and the open mic stage. And, you know, we're at one of them and, and uh, listening to some funny bit. And one of my speaker slash comic friends leans over to me and says, hey, you know, it'd be fun to do something like this, but for speakers. Cool. I know. It's it's not that anymore. So I, I saw that expression in your face. Like, <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. But that's, that was the initial idea. So I thought, oh, great idea. Yeah. Then then I never, I haven't heard from her in a while. And I was like, oh, help me do this. Yeah. But no, it was on to me. And, uh, and, and, and that was the original intent. And there we were. I uh, set it up, called up my speaker friends. And we were on February the 27th, 2012. We went to the second floor of a tea room. <laughs> in Toronto? In Toronto. There were no lights, no stage, no microphone, no backdrop. Wow. Uh, there were 18 people in the room, half of which were the speakers, the other <laughs> half of which was the serving staff. You get the idea. Three months later, they kicked us out. Uh, so it was a really good start for us. That's crazy. Obviously, we were onto something. Why did they kick? How? Why would they kick you out? Well, because we weren't bringing in enough business for them. Oh, geez, because it was just all these speakers. It was just coming yeah, in. right. That's and besides, funny. what is you know, what do people have to eat and drink in a tea house? Right, uh, tea. Tea. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so we scrambled and we found this amazing venue, um, and it was a jazz bar. Mm. What do they have in a jazz bar that they don't have in a tea room? They got music and cocktails. Yes. And, and it was a proper restaurant. Oh, nice. They had a beautiful backdrop. They have a real sound system. They have lights, a stage. Wow. It was phenomenal. And so I, you, it, it, would be, it would be facile to say that's what made the difference. That was one of the things. Yeah. Um, but in the three months leading up to that, I saw every story I never wanted to see again really yeah i i saw people pitch mm. you know sell practice their sales pitch i saw because because it was at the time it was kind of like build as an open mic you know hey here's an opportunity to Get try you. out your your bits right as a speaker but and then i saw people who weren't past their story and it was more like a a therapy session huh. and i and and I, I it was just it was uh, and so we started putting rules in, like policies. And uh, we, that's when, like, you know, you, you, you submitted the speaker agreement. You know right. that, you know, there's the no selling, no pitching, no preaching, no, no teaching rule. Right, yeah. You know, a... we, we don't want, that goes back. We don't want hackneyed motivational speakers. We want people sharing a piece of their real heart. Stories. Yeah, real stories. From the heart. And, yeah. uh, and, and, and also... I'm sure like you and many people listening to this, we've all been to those speaker sell to sell, speak to sell events. Right. Yes. <laughs> of course, that's not what the audience is told. That's what the speaker is told. Right. To speak to sell. But the audience is told, come listen to these great speakers. And within, you know, 
10 seconds or 10 minutes, you realize that their only motivation for being there is to sell you their product or program or workshop or something yeah. at the back it's of the just, room. That's the underlining intention almost yeah. underneath it all. Yeah. And I get it. You know, I get it because that's a viable business model. Yeah. Uh, but I personally had had it up to here with that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I, and I just, I didn't want any story to be tainted or colored or have a back of the mind intention. I'm sharing this value. I'm yeah. doing air quotes here <laughs> for your, for your listeners, air quotes. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm sharing this value, but what I really hope is, is that people buy because, because it doesn't matter how real you think you are being as a speaker in the back of your mind, you're still driven by what's my conversion rate. Absolutely. That's there. And, and, and I'm not dissing it. It's, like a speaker, I know we so we have to do that. Have That's to make a living. Of, we have to make a living. Right. I get it. But it's just, I wanted a place, a sacred space where people could come and know that they were going to be free of that. Yeah. And you know, and, you've really created it. Like, well, I can't tell you how many times people come up to me. Well, this is going to date me, but, and this is going to date the woman who, who, who made this comment. She said, oh, Michelle, this is so fantastic, and I can't believe it. I, I, nobody tried to sell me the package of cassettes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. Wasn't that something in yeah. the 80s like that? Yeah. So, so it's, it really has, uh, to, anyway, so. Yeah, I love it. The, the six months, I'm going to bring in somebody who both you and I know extremely well. And, and we're writing a song about her, aren't we? Well, we are in the middle of it, yes. <laughs> so uh, I was happy doing this on my own. I just wanted to do it for myself. It was uh -huh. fun. Uh, I also started to get, uh, uh, and I started to mix up the, the roster with some really veteran, professional, experienced speakers with people who had never shared a story before. Wow, how cool is that? Yeah, it was just, I don't <laughs> know what, what got into me. I just realized that there, I, I needed to expand it. There are so many people with, with incredible stories who just don't have this opportunity. Yeah, there's like no platform for them to speak. So. And at the same time, from an audience point of view, I realized, my God, how privileged am I? I get to go conference, to conferences all around the world where I speak. I listen to amazing speakers. And I, I started thinking like how privileged we are that we get this experience and not enough people get have this opportunity. Yeah. So I started mixing it up a little bit. I started bringing in the, the more of the humorous element. And it was later on, it was Stephanie's idea to bring in musicians. And Stephanie so, Staples. Yes. <laughs> Stephanie Staples, who, yeah. who's actually been on the podcast. Well, she's, and she deserves to be on the podcast. She's amazing. So she comes into the scene somehow. So she comes into the scene and, but, but let me back up. I'm, I'm jumping around a little bit. So we're six months in, we're, we're six months in and I've started doing this. And really it's when we started, I'll never forget. Like, I think it was the second one that we did at the jazz bar and we were, we were, or we were already up to beyond capacity. We were over a hundred people oh. in this tiny little place. It was wow. phenomenal. Cool. Phenomenal. And it, and it was because there was this whole buzz about this real fun social and think about it, Keith, mm. especially the kind of people who I, you know, I'm a copywriter. I made up this little headline. You meet the nicest people at Mo Mondays. And I thought to myself, <laughs> Oh, that's clever. Yeah. But in retrospect, I realized how true it is because the kind of people who would be interested in this are themselves 
some of the nicest people because they're the people who care about other people. Yeah. But they're also light and happy to let their guards down and just relax, socialize, hug people, shake hands, smile, whatever it is. So good energy. So, yeah. So it was about six or seven months in and Stephanie calls me from Winnipeg. She says, I love what you're doing with Mo Mondays. I want you to help me do one in Winnipeg. How did she find out about it? Do you well, know? because because we're both part of the speaker association. Okay, and, yeah, we're so both professional speakers. We were already good friends, and she had heard about it. And she, obviously, social media played a role. Wow. And okay. I said, I said, no. I said I am not equipped to help anybody else do their Mo Mondays. I'm just not like. Really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> but you know, Stephanie, on a scale of one to. 10, how persuasive is she? She's a, like 11. 11. She's an 11 at on least, that scale. At least. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, so I finally relented and I said, okay, but if I start putting in systems and structure and infrastructure and processes to help you do your Mo Mondays, we're going to open it up to the rest of the world. And she said, I, I want to help you do this because wow. this is such a cool vibe and such an important idea that, that, and it's, and anyway, she, so, and you know, the rest is history because yeah. I think if it, if it were not for Stephanie, we would not be across the country. That's amazing. Yeah. It's all across Canada. Yeah. From what I understand. Yeah. How many, do you know how, how many markets is it in now? Well, it depends because it does fluctuate a little bit, but you yeah. know, it's, it's around 12 or 14. Amazing. Yeah. And do they all happen on the same Monday? No, they don't. They don't. And okay. every, we call them mo-hosts. Mo-hosts. We're, we're mo-hosts. I love that. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> each mo-host is free to take whichever Monday they want of the week. So Wow. Some people take first, second, third, or fourth, or last. Amazing. Mm -hmm. And just like people listening that have always had, I mean, this is one of people's number one fears in life is to get up and speak in public. Mm -hmm. And there's this great forum to share your story. And as you're saying, we all have stories to share. Um, if somebody's listening and they're like, I'd love to do it, but I'm way too scared, but we're going to push their edge and say, go for it. How do they, how do they become part of this? So it's very easy. Okay. Momondays.com slash speak. I'll say that again. Yeah. Momondays.com slash speak. Okay. On that page, you'll find what the kind of stories we're looking for. Yeah. And, uh, and you're right. There are a lot of people who, who come up to me maybe at the end of a, of a, of a show and, and they say, I'd love to do this, but oh, I'm not ready. Right. Now, some, some locations have quite a wait list. Uh -huh. So I say, put your application in and by the time you get called, you'll be ready. Right. And an interesting thing happens because as soon as they put in their application, the wheels start spinning. It starts getting a little bit real and it starts taking shape in the back of their mind of, yeah, this is what... Some people say, I don't even know what I'm going to want to talk about, but I know I've got something valuable to share. Right. And what the, the, the personal growth, even from... Because exp experienced speakers, you might say, it's, it should be easy for them. But I have to tell you, that we, we push everybody to go a little bit further, a little bit deeper than they ever have before. We don't want the same schlocky story that you tell your corporate audiences. Right. We want the real, we want something that kind of brings out the real you. Wow. Yeah. And, true. and, and, and the, the process of preparing for a Mo Monday's talk is itself transformational. I've had people, everybody says, oh, I know what my story is. Now, a lot of people say that. No, I know what my story is, so I don't need, 
I guarantee you the process of getting ready to uh, share it publicly yeah. in a formal setting forces you to go a little bit deeper, see insights, write it down, and you and you start seeing things in a totally different light. It's very true. You make you make connections that you never have before. Is probably one of the most um, what's the right word? Growing. Yeah, it's like very yeah, it's expansive and, and transformational. It's transformational. Yeah. And 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 what I've heard again from some of my professional speaker friends who go there is it makes them a better professional speaker. Yes. And no doubt it does. There's one there's one example, a very good friend of mine. Uh, he came up to me and he said, "Okay, I'll take you up on it." I've been and I wasn't the only one urging him to you know, inject more personal into his personal hmm. stories, but he, he took up, you know, the, the, the challenge. And now he says that that story is the one part in his corporate presentations where you can hear a pin drop. Wow. That story is huh. what gives him credibility for everything else in his keynote. So it's, it's like an eight-minute story, and yet the entire success of the keynote, well, maybe that's an exaggeration. It's not the entire success of the keynote hinges on that story, but you can see how sharing and, and, and opening yourself up to the audience in that way yeah. kind of gives you permission to do the rest of the keynote. Yeah, absolutely. And we're talking... A, a, a meetings and presentations and conferences where normally you would say, oh, no, I have to be very professional. But, you know, Keith, in our hearts, we're all human. It's so true. So it's it's phenomenal, the power that this has had. And, and we've had people who are less experienced speakers. It's, uh, it's, it's emboldened them. It's almost like getting this huge weight off your shoulders. Wow. To, and now, and now I understand myself at a deeper level because once you dig down to that, and it's sounding more heavier than it, it needs to be. No, it I'm doesn't, curious it about doesn't this. need to be this. Yeah. But when you make those connections, you also realize that that's where your power is. That's where your strength is. That's where your value is to the universe yeah. is in these stories. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's like, I feel like just going, it, like, it's almost like excavating down to the core of mm -hmm. like, where does all of this come from? And it's like that, that connected place at yeah. the core. It's, and, and our gifts are there and all of it. It's it, all of it, all of it. And it doesn't have to be super heavy. doesn't have to no. be this dark secret. It doesn't have to be any of that stuff. Right. But you know, it's amazing how just a little bit of vulnerability to something that might seem uh, every day or commonplace yeah just brings wow that's where that's where enlightenment is absolutely that simplicity almost too at, at times mm -hmm. but wow i just love that you've created this forum for for people to find that that voice and to give them a voice and an opportunity it's like it's very powerful what you've you've created and it sounds like in a way i also love how organic it has grown like it wasn't some sort of forced sales thing like you're saying it was it it's happened organically it almost mm. feels like it took you over oh somebody somebody would go to mo mondays in one city and then i'd get an email that says hey i just went to mo mondays this is kind of cool i'd like to start one in my town wow you know and that's and that's how it's grown that is amazing mm. i want to go uh into also just a bit about the work you do in the world and 
I mean, you're an incredible speaker in your own right. I've seen you speak at Mo Mondays. Well, thank you. And I that's know, where we met. And that's where we met <laughs> in the Winnipeg one. And I, I know a little bit of your backstory, but um, did you always know that this was kind of the route you were going to take as like speaker, keynote speaker? Like, wh- who, who, do you know anybody <laughs> at age five? Tommy, Betty, what do you want to be when you grow up? Yeah. Well, I want to be a motivational speaker. <laughs> it doesn't happen. <laughs> Normally not. But did you always have this gift? No, of- are you kidding? I was the shyest kid in the world. I was, I was the kind of kid that would hide behind his mother's apron. Really? Oh, yeah. So when did things change for you? Where you took this on? It, it was a, uh, um, a gradual uh, and, it's, you know, in steps yeah. uh, kind of thing. Uh, you know, I was, you know, I mean, just a quick little back, back, back story. Let's go back even, even a generation. And, and, and by the way, what I'm about to say now informs everything I do professionally. Wow. Because now I'm considered a storytelling expert. I'm being brought into companies and train them on storytelling. Uh, I try, I'm, I just got a, a testimonial from a, a, a client that I worked with last month that said, um, mm-hmm. I, I'm, not, I'm paraphrased, just, it just blew me away, just blew me away. They were so, they usually do the formal sales training thing yeah. and they brought me in on, on our, and they understood what a big risk it was. Their sales force is skeptical and, oh no, what are they bringing in? Right. But, uh, but uh, Apparently, by the end of the day, uh, you know, everybody left with this newfound appreciation for the value of storytelling in their sales conversations. Not don't make it into a whole technique, but just keep it natural. Be real. Let's let's share stories about it. Anyway, so where I digress. So that's this is like at the core of what's happening. This is this is I could see when I, you know, we don't know how to connect the dots looking forward. Right. But it sure is worthwhile to, to connect them looking back. Yeah. Because we can understand how we got here from where we started. Absolutely. So if I, I mean, my, my mother, um, Jewish, raised in France, Holocaust survivor, spent a year in Auschwitz. My father, um, born in Iran, Jewish, uh, partly to escape the anti-Semitism there, uh, in the middle of the war or at the beginning of the war, escaped through. You had to put on amazing story, put on a, a, a British so, uh, soldier's uniform because at the time the British were occupying that part of the world. Wow. Went to Alexandria, Egypt, and signed up for the French Foreign Legion, like of all places. <sighs> wow. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, amazing story. So uh, all the horrific experiences. I'll do. I'll do the the, the short the short version. Uh, my mother spent a year in Auschwitz. My father spent two and a half years uh, in the French Foreign Legion, and and. Many, many years later, I read, I read his citations and his medals and the stories, movie stuff. All I can say is movie stuff. Things mm. like bail, va- scaling the back wall of a tower, you know, to throw grenades in and, and like horrific, 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 horrific stuff. Wow. Anyway, oh. you know, a few years after the war, you know, both of them want to put their experiences behind them, start a new life, life. Uh, both of them independently went to a uh, dance for for you know people who were dislocated and victims of of the war, and uh, they happened to walk into an elevator together and they got to the top floor, and uh, instead of going to the dance, they decided to go back down, 
and uh, spend the evening uh, probably over wine and, and croissants for all I know <laughs> somewhere <laughs> in Paris. Wow. And, uh, and three months later, they got married. That's so and, amazing. Yeah, and the, and so uh, if you're ever wondering how important an elevator pitch is, <laughs> <laughs> totally right, could change your but whole life. I don't I don't know who who gave who the elevator pitch, but anyway, that's great. Uh, and they and they decided they wanted to give their kids a life that they themselves they knew they would never be able to do in in the old world, quote unquote, again. Yeah, and so they moved to Canada, and, and um, here I was, this little French Jewish kid in an English Protestant school in a French Catholic province. Wow. And it didn't matter what group of kids I hung out with, I was always the odd kid out. Mm. Now, you might think that a shy little kid like me would do everything in his little power to kind of blend in and not stand out, but it's not what I did. And, and, and the reason why I started with the experiences of my parents is because I think in the back of my mind, I, I, don't, I'm, I shouldn't say I think, I know in the back of my mind, I made this little promise to myself, never be embarrassed about who you are. Wow. And so, you know, to my French friends, I spoke English, my English friends, I spoke French, you know, any, everybody outside my little community, I, I made no bones about the fact that I was Jewish. And, um, it, it's funny. So I fast forward 20 years, I start my professional life. I run my own ad agency. I'm a, I'm a branding guy. I'm a copywriter, branding guy. I'm working with clients, helping them drill down to their, what I called at the time, their essential message, you know, their core yeah. differentiation, what sets them apart in the market. So my background, my professional background is really as a communicator, as a branding, differentiation-based branding guy. Right. That's, what, that's what I've done my entire professional life. Yep. And my clients would keep giving me this feedback. They'd say, Michelle, how did you get to our differentiation so quickly? Hmm. And I do what most people do when they're paid a compliment like that. I shrugged my shoulder and I gave them the technical response. I'm like, oh, I don't know. I oh, just, just happened. <laughs> I just do it. Yeah. I just do it. And, uh, you know, it, years and years would pass by. And finally, I sat down with a friend of mine. I said, I know I do something pretty cool pretty special but i don't really know what it is and it was only in that and, and i call this guy my coach at the time he was just a friend but i yeah. couldn't you can't look inside yourself on your own it's true that you, it's, it definitely helps to have a coach and it's not, somebody yeah and it's not exactly like he asked me sophisticated questions he would ask me things like oh and then what did you do <laughs> yeah oh and why did you do that yeah the why yeah, and, yeah. Wh what exactly are you looking for when you're asking that question Right. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And, and, and it, a big light bulb came on and, and it just became clear to me that, that the, ex my experience as a little kid as being the odd kid out, but yet at the same time wanting to be who I am. Yeah. This is all coachy stuff, isn't it's it? It's totally coachy stuff. But yes. I use yeah. this in my corporate consulting wow. and, and, and I, I guess because of that, I, I, was my parents gave me a gift of, of being able to see what made other people unique, special, valuable, what was different about them mm. because I was highly sensitive about what was different about me. Yeah. Wow. I, the thing that really resonates with me is the, the line you said earlier about never be ashamed of who you are mm. and like, it, like play, who are you not to be who you are? And yeah. 
when somebody's trying to find that aspect of who are they, what's my gift, what's my purpose, like, how do you take people into that? Because you're good at that, like, really good at that. Well, I've developed this whole thing called uh, reverse benefit analysis, if you want to use the technical term that I coined. Reverse benefit analysis. Okay. Yeah, what, what, I, what I noticed very early on was that if you ask the usual questions, you're going to get the usual responses back. We're conditioned. Mm -hmm. So if I say the usual, if I ask the usual question, so you know, we're going to find what what you what really jazzes you, and that's going to point to your gift, your differentiation, and all of that stuff, right? Yeah. And uh, you know, people are just going to pull back it from because you want to answer. Totally. So you're going to find the quickest answer the quickest routes like it's what i call what my friend tim herson calls uh the grade one response you know you want the gold star <laughs> teacher asks a question you want to be first with your hand up yes and so you're going to find the first thing that sounds plausible it never is the answer never uh so you're gonna you're gonna go through all that schlocky stuff yeah but what i discovered was that if you ask the question in the negative yeah. Really? Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you exactly what it is. Yeah. So what drives you up the wall? What, do you, what pisses you off? What annoys you about the way that other people in your industry do the, way, do the, work, the, way, the, the work that you're supposed to do? What's wrong about what? Th now, what, think about it. Listen, human beings, we've evolved to where we are because we are problem-solving machines. Totally. Right? We are. You know, yeah. Every, you know, it, we solve problems that most people don't even know about. It's true. Yeah. In our conscious minds. And, always thinking and about yet, that. because of the positivity movement, we've all but relegated that line of thinking to the back burner because we don't want to see ourselves as being negative. Right. It's so true these days. Uh, yes. And yet there's so much value in looking at that. It's like I have a workshop that I run. I'm pointing at the package over there that I used to sell at the back of the room, by the way, <laughs> called What Drives You Crazy Makes You Great. Oh, wow. What dri it's not... That's interesting. Yeah, because, because we are all driven to solve a problem. And usually that problem is, is so closely held to our hearts, we're not even aware that we're trying to solve. We go through life trying to solve that problem. I'm trying to solve the problem of helping companies and, and individuals bring out their individuality because that's what makes them great. Wow. Yeah. That's, and why, why am I so driven to do that? Well, gee. Huh. What is your why? Maybe it's because of my upbringing as a little French Jewish kid in an English Protestant school in a French Catholic province. Who knows? Wow. It just gave me this insight, this sensitivity, this vulnerability. Yeah. That I could either be ashamed of or proud of. Right. It's like the same, you know, two sides of the same coin. Wow. That's incredible. And you do it well. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I see you as somebody who, who plays it not afraid of like taking the risk or putting yourself out there or being daring to be completely vulnerable and authentic and true and, and, and being in that. Like, it's incredible. Well, how you don't, show up don't kid way. yourself. There are always those, you know, like, <laughs> you know, courage is, what is courage? Courage is being afraid and doing it anyway. Right. So, yeah, be careful. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I want to talk about this. So the, the negative, what was it called? The 
the reverse pos- reverse benefit analysis. Right, reverse benefit <laughs> analysis. Just back to that for a second because I'm still turning on this a little bit or just spinning in my head on this. Like, So to expose the negative mm-hmm. creates a positive. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, let, let me explain. I'll, yeah. I'll use a, a real, a total, an example that's totally out of this space. Love it. Let's say you're out looking for a, a new pair of shoes. Yeah. You don't go out to buy a pair of shoes just because you want a pair of shoes. That may be what it feels like. But you want a pair of shoes to solve a problem. You don't have something in your current wardrobe that fits a certain application. Right. Be it for party, club, social, uh, or business. You know, there's a reason. Absolutely. So if you take a look at your existing set of shoes, and you got to ask yourself, what's missing? What's wrong with the ones that I have? (sighs) And then you say, and that helps you understand what you're looking for and why. Get it? Uh, is amazing. Yes, I've never it's, thought it's of it. It's so incredibly simple, and yet I think it's because of the overemphasis of the positivity movement. We've we've overlooked this. Yeah, we've kind of missed out on this. Yeah, and there's such value it. in 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 mining that negative. What? So what? What are the things that frustrate you about the way what's going on in society? Why? Well, okay. So now I'm gonna I'm gonna ask answer a question you haven't asked me yet. Go for it. What question would you like to be asked, <laughs> Michelle? <laughs> no, because because this is where it fits. What I realized is that every time I dug deep enough to figure it, to help a client or a com- and it could be a company, although it's harder with a company because it's a collection of individuals, usually started by by an individual, but let's who maybe passed away. But yeah, still, it's the same same process that applies. And when you dig deep enough to get to that core problem that they're looking to solve mm. or how that company started looking to solve a certain problem, there's always a story. I found a story. I wasn't looking for a story. I always found a story. Wow. There's always a story there. Well, there's always a story about how you felt. Like when you when the light goes on, so oh my God, that's why I am driven to solve this mm. problem. Oh. Oh, oh wow. I never connect. There, I'll use a word that I'll use a phrase that I heard in, in, a, in an insurance conference that I was speaking at. One of the other speakers said, you know, it's funny how that five-year-old boy or girl in you, you know, bites you in the ass when you're 40 or 50. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're always there. Yeah. And, 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 and it's just a question of, oh my God, that, that's why I do what I do. And what I look for in the game of differentiation, it's not why I do what I do. Okay, that's an imp- that'll help you explain why I am a coach and why somebody else is a fireman or right. why somebody's a dent. But there are lots of good stories. Yes. But if you're looking for differentiation, okay, you know, grab your pencils, kids. <laughs> if you're looking for differentiation, the key question that I'm looking for is why I do how I do what I do. Whoa, say that one more time. That's really good. Why I do how I do what I do. Wow. Because what I, what I do is generic. Right. But no one does what I do the way I do it. Huh. No one coaches people the way you do it. Right. True. 
No one is a lawyer the way this one particular lawyer is. Huh. And if you, so that how. How you actually do what you do. How you do surfaces a whole bunch of processes and methodologies and underlying reasons and things that, that are in, in, invisible, ingrained into the wiring of, of, your, of your brain. Wow. You, how you do what you do is, your diff- is where your differentiation lies. And, and why is it important? How does this apply? Well, once you understand your differentiation, then you can start ans- asking the answering the question. Say, well, why you? Why you know? Why, why not? should it be you? Yeah. Why? Okay. And then you say, what? Then it's not a question of trying to sell the person. It's like, here's what I'm looking for. Here's my methodology. If it resonates with you, great. Yeah. Great. In fact, if I can explain, if I can link this dot about why how I do what I do, with the reason why other people's approach don't work for certain types of customers, clients, and people. Yeah. And if there's a fit, then you're a natural customer client for me. Right. Yeah. It's and really not forced. It's just like being with who you are authentically yeah. is what I'm getting here as you're talking. It's exactly it. So wow. that's, and, and so when I realized that at the, at the crux of the differentiation, didn't matter whether it was a single individual solopreneur or larger company. When I realized that there was a story there, Hmm. that's when I started digging into storytelling. And I realized that the story is the, is perhaps the most impactful way to start a business presentation, for example, Hmm. to answer the question, what do you do? For example, yeah, which a lot of people have trouble with. Actually, the 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 you know the the twelve or sixteen word elevator pitch. Don't get me started on it. Oh yeah, uh, it's it's terrible <laughs> because it forces a one size fits all, and it's all how much can I shove down your throat in thirty yeah. seconds, right? Yeah, wrong so, intention, complete wrong. Exactly, intention. wrong yeah. intention. So I'm yeah. looking for something that is that is much more of a gate opener, door opener, and is engaging. And, yes. oh, and and paves the way for a conversation rather than a sales pitch. I love that. And it's uh, that feels so authentically true. And it's like, it's not the forced trying to get somewhere. It's like, you are here. This mm. is who you are. This is why you're here. And this is your authenticity. And it's reminded me of um, this publisher I was speaking with recently who was talking about, you know, every story's like all the theories have already been written. Like you, you go to a self-help section in the bookstore and almost every single book says the exact same thing at the base of it all. You know, it's like, love yourself. The answers are within you. Go inward. But it's like the the how you tell the story and, and this whole piece about story is the authenticity. It's why it resonates or mm-hmm. doesn't resonate. And it reminds me of what you're speaking about here. This idea of really honoring your authentic self and showing up in that way and being very clear as to why and and how you're doing what you do and owning it mm-hmm. like really owning it and without needing to prove your worth it's like just being in that even amazing <laughs> this is like mind blowing to me to hear you speak from this place well, thank you how does somebody find their story how do you help people find their story by asking the stupid questions it's but just question I'm, I'm looking i'm looking for and it took me huh. a long time to reverse engineer my own process uh, but it's a question of looking for the unspoken problem huh. that the person is 
unconsciously trying to solve. Right. And we've got a whole bunch of exercises that we've developed, and I, I do them in workshops all the time, uh, to help people figure that out. Wow. And, and, and I'm blown away. I'm always blown away. I have the best seat in the house in these workshops because <laughs> I get, I see the lights go on and, uh, it's just, it's just mind blowing. Yeah. It's really good because then they realize why they do, how they do. They realize the value of how they do what they do. Yeah. Whereas they didn't before. Absolutely. And, uh, <sighs> and how interconnected it is with all the, like we think we're solving this one problem. Right. Right. We don't, we don't, but it, it, it's not, this is not super sophisticated stuff. It's not complicated, but just takes, it just takes a little bit of a pause for people to connect the dots with, if they're doing it in, in a corporate situation with other departments, mm. you know, we, what it's that whole, you know, what's it? I'm going to, I'm going to mix two metaphors, you know, the diamond in the lake. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, with the ripple effect on everything else. And, and, you know, and so what you do in one place has an effect on something else, has an effect with the, with, with how people are at home with their families and friends. Yeah. Uh, if it's you all interconnected. if you help people personally, it's, um, it has a ripple effect on how they show up at work. So it's all connected. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're seeing a lot of that in the shift of culture in the workplace right now too. I think it's, there's a very gradual movement towards more of what you're speaking about too. It's so encouraging and it's yeah. awesome that you're in the work you're doing in that setting specifically. Um, I also want to just hear briefly about the work you're doing with speakers because I, I understand a lot of people call you up and they say, Michelle, like I want to be a speaker. I don't know how to start. How do I, what's that all about? Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that work you do. So <laughs> yeah, remember I, I said, at the crux of everyone's differentiation is a story, at yes. least one, at least one. Right. right. But there's going to be one, what we call a signature story. Huh. Now, a signature story in the professional speaking world is your, is the story that defines who you are, your top, why you're passionate about your topic. Yes. And so the signature story is, you know, there's, there's, first of all, it's discovering what it is and it's almost always almost always deeper than people realize. Mm. Um, and, uh, and then, and then there's craft in, in putting it together in a way that is, uh, that is powerful, compelling, that elevates your story and your, from a simple retelling of the story to a real performance, some, what I call whole body speaking. Right. Um, and so I, I so backtrack you know about 10 uh, 10 years ago i'd say uh i was still calling myself a branding expert but i started more and more focusing on the storytelling aspect of the as a reflection of the branding oh interesting now i do exactly the same thing i look at all my exercises my processes i do exactly the same thing but i've but i've flipped it around and now uh i focus on the storytelling uh-huh. as a way to get to the differentiation of the brand of the brand or and the it's really speaker. important for the speaker yeah. so but and i've and i've also added in a whole bunch of craft around storytelling so how do you what what how do you open how do you leave people where do you bring people 
two in the middle. There's, you know, what's the shape of Kurt Vonnegut Jr., great writer, he talked about the shape of stories. Mm. Uh, you know, what is the shape of stories? How many stories are we trying to tell at the same time? Turns out at least two. Wow. And, and every, every movie, every Hollywood movie, every world movie, every book, every novel, every, every short story has at least two stories. These are the key, two key stories that we're talking about that I want people to understand what they are, how to map it out. Yeah. And then how to rehearse it, how to perform it so that you could lose the notes. Oh, wow. But how to really, you know, I, I talk about scenifying your story. Yeah. Chunking and scenifying your story. What is scenifying? Scene is like, think of, think of being a director in the movie of your story. Oh, interesting. What are the key scenes in your story hmm. that you can reenact hmm. instead of just telling me vague generalities? Right. Of, you know, and then... Yeah, just yeah. generic. Yeah, yeah, deep. Yeah. And bring people to a, a real place, a tangible place yeah. at time and, and have them come into your world. So I, I do a lot of things with, with the speakers that I work with that are, that are not only counterintuitive, but actually go counter to the, to the typical advice that they hear. You know, they talk about locking eyes with the customer or, or with the audience and, and engaging and, and, and looking way and take and all the strategies, gesture and, yeah. and, 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 and you know, speak or speak and gesture or whatever, all of that stuff. And I said, nah, you don't, that, that comes so far down the road that by the time you get there, it won't, it won't matter. You won't even be thinking about that. It's going to come as right. you develop. What I want is I want to bring people to the present place in their story. Right. And I love it. create such a tangible feel for it that probably the most powerful moment in your entire talk is not when you're goading the audience to go out because you can do it. Yes. It's when you close your eyes, take a step back and invite the audience to come into your mind with you. <laughs> wow. That is so powerful. Like that's effective whether you're on a stage or not. Like mm. just in living, it, I mean, to pause and to connect. Mm -hmm. in that present moment. I mean, that's, that's what this is all about. Oh, exciting. <laughs> I, I wanted to, we have just a few more minutes left and um, we're very uh, much here. I want to touch the, on this because you have picked up uh, one of my passions over the years. You're now playing ukulele and I've even practicing guitar all week. I just, I'd love for you to speak a little bit about the musical side of your journey right now. It's amazing. Oh man! Your passion for music takes me back to when I was a kid <laughs> practicing guitar, and you're practice. I love it every day. You pick up the guitar and you're practicing. Share a little bit about this. It's amazing. Yeah, I heard. The, I heard the story where you were sharing about picking up the guitar and going to the the uh, the, the forks. Yes, <laughs> at the forks in Winnipeg, and busking. busking. <laughs> Case open. I gotta tell you, I I tried busking here in Toronto. Yeah, I love it. Oh yeah! Oh, it's so cool. good, and it really forces me to up my game. And yeah, you got to be on it. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely. Like, so uh, I've always had this, but you know, all my life I've had this. Do I go into music or do I go into science? Well, I went into science. Do mm. I, uh, you know, do I f go into a creative field or do I get my MBA? Well, I got my MBA. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. But there's always been this kind of dichotomy to me. 
uh, I end, that's why I ended up in advertising because I felt it was the closest thing to oh, a, a field that actually combined creativity and strategic thinking and business thinking. And that's what appealed to me about advertising and marketing and branding and the whole discipline around that. And I still love that. It's also still, and I still do that for, for some of my, my, my mm. favorite clients. <laughs> um, but, you know, you get to a stage where you say, you know what? Life's short. And I want to do this. I just want to. <laughs> You're going to laugh. Somebody, again, somebody's going to pop up in this little story that we both know. <laughs> Could it be the same Could person? Could be that? the <laughs> same person. Yeah. Stephanie was at my house in my mm. kitchen and she had just become passionate about the ukulele. Now, I got to tell you, I had a very bad experience with the guitar when I was younger and I had just grown up with this belief. Now I believe a limiting belief yeah. that I just would never be able to strum properly and I just would never be able to, to play guitar um, and I had long ago come to terms with that because I channeled my interest in music to singing. And I, 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 I think I'm a pretty good singer. I love to sing. I yeah. work hard at it. I love uh, I get, to Yeah, it. I get yeah. called up on stage by some of my professional musician friends and say, hey, do a tune. I'd go to open mics. I did, wow. I did the, the same thing that, that a lot of people there. You know, I started out with karaoke and then I yep. went to live band karaoke. Then I started, you know, going up, uh, being the guest vocalist. Amazing. Uh, I, uh, a month ago, I was asked to do um, an afternoon program of all cruder stuff. It was great. Oh, cool. Cruder, I was singing Besame Mucho and Autumn Leaves. and <laughs> That's and, awesome. Yeah, at the Scarborough uh, Civic Center as part of a, a you know, of a formal, a well, formal uh, uh, celebration uh, event. Amazing. So it was really good. So so that's where I channeled my my interest in music. Unbelievable. But I really... I really getting. I was getting frustrated that I just I couldn't write music because I didn't have anything to write with other than just my. I, you know, I just didn't have the tools. Uh, yeah. And I was getting frustrated that I couldn't really rehearse unless I had somebody to accompany me on the keys or the or the guitar. <laughs> and then here is Stephanie in my kitchen, and she's playing, and I'm thinking to myself, maybe, maybe just maybe I could do this. Wow. And there's also a little bit more going on there. I said, well, if Stephanie can do this. Yeah, if she's <laughs> doing it, I can do I it. Can, right? That yeah. little competitiveness. Yeah. So I, I asked to borrow it and I bash out a few chords, a few chords that I know from, I remembered from guitar because hmm. the chord shapes are the same, right? And uh, and I thought, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe. And, and, and it just, it just, grew from there and I, and I I did get a little addicted to it so yes there's yeah. there's a ukulele on every floor of my house there's, there's a, multiple <laughs> ukuleles on every floor of your house yeah, the amazing. most important one is the one that's in the bathroom yeah I noticed that yeah. <laughs> I noticed that here that's great yeah. uh yeah. because I play that every day that's amazing. absolutely I play that every day and uh and and I started gaining some degree of mastery over it and I started uh, using it to write songs and and getting a huge amount of uh, of satisfaction. I ended up putting my own trio together, so we're we're, we're <laughs> the, the Jacques Russell trio. <laughs> I love it. Where's that name from? Just out of curiosity. Well, Jacques Russell trio. Jacques, you see, there's Jacques Russell over there. Oh, these are actual people in no, the band. No, no, that's my little stuffed hog. 
Oh, there's stuffed a stuffed dog. Oh, there. Yeah, yeah, there's a stuffed dog in the corner. Yeah. That's Jacques? Jacques. Okay. Jacques Roussel. Oh, like Russell Terry. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Jacques <laughs> Roussel Trio. So he's our band manager, roadie, everything. Oh, right? that's amazing. He's really the brains behind the trio. Does this stuffed animal come to all your shows? Every single one. Are you serious? Oh, he stands guard behind the uh, tip jar. Oh, I love it. That's fantastic. <laughs> You've got such a creative mind. It, it's it so is, inspiring. It's just good fun. So we start, huh. and, and we're getting gigs. And we've been getting gigs now for about uh, almost a year. Wow. And uh, we play about twice a month uh, around town. And, and uh, again, f- it's another step in the evolution of me as, as a musician. Yeah. And uh, f- you know, playing with other people. Yeah, uh, up forces you to up your game. Absolutely. Uh, so, uh, so there's continually things that I'm working on, and at some point, again, that idea came into my head that maybe, just maybe, it's time for me to try guitar again. Yeah, which is now becoming a reality. Which will, yeah, <laughs> like it's going to be several months before I'm stage ready, like probably years before I'm stage ready wow. with guitar. It is it is orders of magnitude harder. You know what I appreciate about you is you're doing something that people think about in their mind, but they, they're like, oh, I'm too old or I can't and, you know, the limiting beliefs of their kids. But you're like, yeah, okay. And you just do it anyway. And I love that about you. It's like this burning desire. If you don't know Michelle, this guy is persistent, man. He like, he played Hungry Heart by Bruce Springsteen. Learned the course. He played that like every day, like and, and at all hours. Are you of the sick day. of it yet? Well, I have to say, it's definitely <laughs> a, must be a hit song because it's always in my head now. But even like sleeping at night and I listen and upstairs I hear you playing. It's like you're so inspiring that you just like you just are determined to like make it happen. It's awesome, and I see you living that way. Like it's just so authentic. Thank you're you. You're living what you're speaking. Thank you. It's amazing. I'm, I'm having a good time. Uh, and, and part of it is like, you know, life's, life's short, Yeah, you know, and you could, listen, you got to balance things off, you know, for every, for every maxim, there's a equal and opposite maxim, right? So, yeah. you know, now is the time to grasp things, but you also need to, you know, save for the future kind of thing. So it's, everything's a balance. Yeah. Uh, but this is when the heart speaks the, in a way yeah that the brain can't help but listen. Yeah, it takes you over. Yeah, it's got you. Man, Michelle, thank you for spending this time with us. And uh, if people want to stay in touch with you, check out the Jacques Russell Trio, get some <laughs> coaching on speaking, be part of Mono, Mono Mondays. Where where can we find you? So there, well, there are three spots. Okay. Uh, you, We've already talked about momondays.com. So it's yep. exactly how it's spelled, exactly how it sounds. Mo, M-O, mondays.com. Yep. Uh, for my corporate and uh and and speaking engagements uh there's nerey.com n-e-r-a-y.com that's my my speaker page my consulting page uh and uh for music there's jacques russell trio.com jacques spelt uh the french way jacques russell trio j-a-c-q-u-e-s-r-u-s-s-e-l-l trio.com although i think on the internet i i i I got jackrusselltrio.com for oh. people who just couldn't speak French. and Yeah, there it, are some listeners that don't speak French. And, I know and it aliases to the right place. So we're good. We're good. <laughs> That's fantastic. Thanks for spending this time here. Well, thank and, you, Keith. Uh, keep up the amazing inspiration. It's really infectious. Right back at you, man. Thank you. All right. Well, that concludes another episode of Let's Connect. I hope you enjoyed that conversation just as much as I did with Michelle. And if you get a chance go check out Mo Mondays in your area. 
You'll hear great speakers. You'll get inspired. You might even get up on stage and share your story too. If you got the guts, I highly encourage you to do it. Thanks again, everyone. Make sure you check out my online course at keithmcpherson.ca. Bring some mindfulness into this season. And I wish you a very, very happy holiday as you just travel into this new year. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week. Have a great week, everyone.